0: We'll use that later. Uh, Let me pray one more time. Lord God, thank you for um, allowing us to be here in this place, in this space. We thank you for the community that we share. And we ask, Lord, as we look at the words of Jesus in this passage, that you'd help us to see clearly what you want us to do in terms of loving one another and being a Christian community. I pray for your help uh, through your Spirit and by your Word, in Jesus' name, Amen. There's nothing quite like genuine Christian community. Nothing quite like it. Uh, my wife and I had the privilege a couple of years back, quite a few years back now, to live in a in a compound. <laughs> that sounds awful, doesn't it? We lived in a in a community uh, of Christian people as I was going to Moore College to learn uh, ministry. We we lived on, on a place, it was called Buthar Grass. a very ugly name, but it has a historic reason why it's called that. Uh, but everyone who lived on that grounds was, was committed to going to college and were committed Christians. They'd, uh, they were all people with a life dedicated to worshipping God, a life of service and seeking first the kingdom of God. It was a very rare opportunity. I don't think that many people would get a chance like that uh, for just under two years to experience um, Christian community like that. Uh, when everyone, when when we're pulled out of society and placed in a particular unit where we're all driven to serve God and to know Him better, it's very unique and it was very special. And Jill and I did not want to leave, <laughs> but we had to. We had to leave. Uh, when Jesus is speaking on this occasion in John thirteen, as Betty so well pointed out to us, it begins um, with these words when he was gone and betty's right the he in that sentence is judas when judas was gone jesus was now able to speak to that genuine christian community the 11 disciples who would then go off and be entrusted with the uh, with the kingdom of god the message of the kingdom of god to spread to all the world when judas was gone jesus was left there speaking to the first church the first men uh, who, uh, who would commit the rest of their lives um, persevering for the faith and almost all of them dying for their faith. When he was gone, you know, we talk about uh, Christian community where we're on a track Um, we're on a journey through this series called Growing a Healthy Church and we've looked at worshipping God that's a healthy church ought to worship God and just be thankful for God as our creator that we listen to Jesus who sent us out to be a disciple making body that what we do at church is to make disciples introduce people to Jesus and grow one another one another up in Jesus and to seek first his kingdom and to put other things in this life uh, call them distractions if they're taking our minds off pursuing that goal to make disciples of all nations and to worship God in spirit and in truth and today we come to the the uh, this talk four in this series which is about Christian community a healthy church will foster um, not just community but community that flows out of our knowledge of God so we see this actually first and foremost in verse 31 and 32. As we, we, we observe, we're able to see something really peculiar happening in verse 31 and 32 about, uh, about God's own community with himself. That God is actually not needy. He doesn't need anybody. And he is completely fulfilled in himself. Let me read those verses again. Verse 31 says, When he was gone, Jesus said, Now... The Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. I know that sometimes you come to the Bible and you see a passage, a little section like that, and you know in your heart and your mind that there's something really amazing there, but you just can't quite grapple with it. And so you've got to read it and read it and read it again, but there is. There is a proclamation that the Son of Man—that is Jesus. Jesus referred to himself quite often with that title, Son of Man. Jesus is saying that he will be glorified by God the Father, but at the same time, simultaneously, God the Father will be glorified through him. This this word glorified is like to shine a light on, or to, to be to be made famous, or to to magnify and and proclaim how amazing is God the Father, how amazing is Jesus the Son, and both the Father and the Son will be glorified, will be uh, exalted at a very specific place and time. And surely Jesus is talking about the cross. He's talking about crucifixion. He's about to do something that has never been done before and will never need to be done ever again, that Christ the Son, Jesus the Son of the Eternal Father, would lay down his life, for you and for me, to go to the cross so that everything that is wrong in this world can be dealt with by him at the cross and so that we can live a new life through him. That The cru- the crucifixion is what Jesus is talking about. There's a really bizarre thing happening in, in verse 31 because now, the word now in English, well, the word now in Greek, guess what it means? It means now. Uh, it, it actually means now. But it doesn't, But maybe he doesn't mean now, now, like right in that conversation. Maybe he means now as in just in a minute, in a moment. Now that the Judas has left to betray him, something's about to happen. The, 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 pro, the, the train has left the station and so now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. But then when he says that the Son of Man is glorified, that word is doesn't mean is happening uh, only for a moment. But it is something that has, that has had a starting point and will continue forever. Uh, so now, is there's something that Jesus is pointing to, which is a, which is a monumental moment. A monumental moment. It's a monumental time in, uh, in our world that God is doing something, fantastic, and it's the cross of Christ. At the cross, the Father is glorified. How is the Father glorified at the cross? Well, a couple of things. Uh, his wisdom, is, is shown. We see uh, the Father glorified in his wisdom where he could continue to be a just judge and justify the sinner, that sinners would be able to go get uh, let set free from their sin, but he does not become an unjust judge. He maintains his justice the whole way. In this wisdom at the cross, he is able to pay have the, the punishment of sin paid for and that the sinners get set free his faithfulness god is glorified at the cross because his faithfulness show, is shown uh, in keeping his genesis 315 promise going right back to the beginning of the of the bible where G, where god said that uh, a seed from the woman who is eve will crush the satan's head God and his faithfulness, it took thousands of years, but this is the time that he has been promising and building up to and pointing to and God is faithful and now is the moment for God the Father to be, to be glorified and God the Father will be glorified in his holiness in require, that he will re- continue to require his just laws be satisfied that his just laws be satisfied by the great substitute. How God can maintain his holiness that there continues to be no light in him, that while Jesus goes to the cross to pay for our sins, he he goes there in all holiness and goodness. And God the Father is glorified at the cross because his love shines brightly. How great the Father's love for us. That's what we sing, isn't it? Providing, that God the Father provided such a redeemer, that God the Father provided such a mediator between us and God, and that God the Father would be the one who brings the sacrifice. It's his sacrifice that Jesus is known as the Lamb of God. It's God's Lamb that's been laid and sacrificed for our sin. God the Father is glorified in his wisdom, his faithfulness, his holiness and his love. At the same time, at the cross, Jesus Christ is glorified by his obedience to God the Father. Uh, To the Father, his obedience to the Father at all costs. Even at the garden when he cried out, uh, if there's another way, Father... Could we do that? And the father answers in silence because there is no other way. This is the only plan. In his obedience, Jesus went to the cross. In, his pa- in Christ's power, he is glorified to carry the weight of sin. He is able, he is the only one able uh, to carry that sin on his shoulders and to overcome the power of sin and death and conquer Satan. God, uh, God the Son is glorified in his power. God the Son is glorified in his humility by humbling himself to death, even death on a cross. What an amazing, amazing example, which the writer in Philippians says, that's that's our model of humility right there. And God the Son is glorified in his compassion and his love as he carried our names, as he carried your name, I hope, to the cross, to pay for the sin, to pay the price of our sin with His precious blood. God is glorified in Himself. God does not need us. Uh, when we talk about community, the subject of community, God is in perfect community with Himself, and He uh, does not need us in order to celebrate Him. He can do that perfectly well on His own. He's not needy. God is not needy, like we are needy. Friends, we need the cross. And it's, it's right and good that you know that you need the cross, that you need Jesus. God is not needy, but we are needy. And we, it's good for us to recognise how needy we are. Jesus, Jesus went on to, in verse 33 and he says, My children. You know, Judas has left the room, eleven are left, and these are the ones who are given the right to be called sons of God the ones who believed in him, the ones who received Jesus. This is John 1, verse 12. Those who receive him, who believe in his name, are given the right to be called children of God. And here he is, Jesus calling them, my children, the ones who would put their trust in him, who would go on from here and witness this great glorifying event of the cross of Christ and once, they'd, once the Spirit had enlightened them to know what that all meant, they would go out to spread the word and to create more children of God who need the cross. Jesus said to them uh, that where I'm going, you cannot come. He's going to the cross because no one else can go to the cross. Nobody else can pay for their sins, let alone the sins of the world. Friends, you and I cannot have this communion with God, this community with God, without the cross of Christ. Uh, for us to think that we could just well, well up inside of us a feeling of love that extends to one another, except for the cross, is foolishness. Jesus had to go to the cross and no one else could go to the cross. Jesus says, "I'm where I'm going, you cannot come. This is a job for me and not for you. And because Jesus went to the cross for you, we now can celebrate and engage in genuine Christian community. He is our substitutes and we can't save ourselves. We don't um, come to church and mimic Christianity. Uh, in one way we do. We, we learn from each, each other. We model uh, Christian behaviour off one another, but that's not where we get our source of knowledge from. We get our source of knowledge and understanding about love from the cross of Christ. We don't mimic Christianity and therefore become Christian. You don't. You can't just put on the Christian clothing and be Christian we need to come to the foot of the cross and confess that we need forgiveness that we need God's forgiveness that can only be brought to us through the shed blood of Christ it's the cross that saves us the cross that saves us do you do you know the love of the father you know that the love of the father is Uh, poured out is demonstrated to us in two ways the one is through creation that we live in a world that God has created and how good this world is you just have to ponder and read scientific journals or books or documentaries to stop and think how amazing is this planet that we're on it just seems perfectly made for us Uh, and it's a wonderful wonderful world that has been damaged by sin the suffering and the conflict that we have in this world is a result of sin and so God's love is demonstrated in, the, in creation, but it's demonstrated even more so at the cross of Christ, that he would lay down his life for us in his salvation, that he, rather than walk away from us, abandon us or remove us, he has stepped toward us in order to save us, to reach out his hand and pull us out of the pit through the cross of Christ that we can be friends with God. The cross is the cross that saves us to not merely come to church, but to come to the foot of the cross. Confess that you need Christ. That's the first point in Christian community, is to confess that you need Christ. How easy is it for us to think, oh, that person needs Jesus. That person needs Jesus. But we need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need him. We, we cannot be a, a Christian community without confronting the need for the cross the cross also teaches us so when the cross saves us but the cross of christ also teaches us it teaches us uh, to love one another jesus said in verse 34 a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another you know Everyone in the world wants love. We sing about it. We rejoice in it. We even, it even becomes a political campaign sometimes to, to love. But the command isn't simply love one another. The command is, as I have loved you, so love one another. So the cross of Christ becomes our teacher uh, to look at how, what, what does the shape of love look like? It's very other-person-centred. It's very self-sacrificing. It puts others before ourselves. It sees that we are needy and we are needed. Love one another. This is love. In 1 John 4 verse 10, famously, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And that's our that's our model. If you know Jesus, then you will learn to love radically. It hurts, it's hard, it's it hurts and it's hard. There's two words. It, it, to love as Jesus has loved us is the direction we need to go in. I dare say we'll never make it. No one really can love as Christ has loved us. But that's the model. That's, that's the, the gold standard. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, we're not to just look for love in this community. It's very common, it's almost um, cliche for people to leave a church because they think there's no love here. Friends, we are the ones who bring this into our community. Having been loved, first of all, by God, seeing that love demonstrated at the cross, then we bring this love into our community. Uh, We're the ones who start here. Christian community is... Christian community is, and I've got three things, at least three things. Here's three things. Christian community is, uh, it's a community that Jesus made, but the first thing is it's a work in progress. Christian community is a work in progress. No perfect. No church is perfect. It's all, every church is a work in progress when it comes to love and community and putting other people's needs first. Jesus, uh, the story goes on, and Peter says in verse 36... Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. That's very specific, isn't it? The sun's not gonna, barely going to rise um, on this day you're you're standing here peter so strong and courageous and brave and saying lord I love you with all my heart I would lay down my life for you I commit everything to you I'm devoted to you I think is the language of of the vibe of Peter's statement and Jesus says you're not even going to last 24 hours with that brave face love is a work in progress if you think from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 if if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. We're all very weak and vulnerable. It doesn't take very much to crack us. It just takes... Um, I'm very thin-skinned. It just takes one person who looks at me without a smile and I'm wondering, what do they, what, what do they, want, what do they got against me? <laughs> they, they hate me. Friends, our community is... Our community, like every community, is fragile. But we we want to come and work at our community. In uh, Colossians 3, I think there's some beautiful language in Colossians 3, uh, verses 12 to 14, love needs to be intentional. And so Paul, when he writes the church in Colossae, he says, he describes it like clothing. You need to put it on. Uh, you don't just... It, love doesn't come just naturally flowing out of us. If it did, then there would be no need for the cross of Christ. But because Jesus died for our sins and then says, I've given you the spirit to grow up in godliness, and what you need to do is in the morning put your socks on, but then get, then put love on. I want you to clothe yourself. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's, loved, uh, God's chosen people, having been bought by the, by the blood of Christ, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are all love words. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. I love, I love that little line, bear with each other. It just helps. It goes so far you let, let all the little things slide. Someone puts milk in your tea when you didn't ask for it, just let it slide. Say, thanks, thanks for the tea, loved it. Don't even mention that you have it black, you know. Bear with one another. Um, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. We're, we're pursuing peace with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Lord, how did God forgive you? He didn't wait for you to make the first step. He he made the initiate he initiated it all. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love. It's like a raincoat. Over all the layers that you've dressed yourselves in, then put the final layer on, which is love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If ever you're wondering what the thing you should do next is, ask yourself, what does love look like? And that's the answer. That's that's your next move, is what would, what, would, what would the best version of me look like if I was fully dressed in all these, all these clothing? So the first thing Christian community is, is a work in progress. We're all damaged goods and we all need to work at it, like Simon Peter. But Simon Peter betrayed Jesus and Jesus came to him and reconciled that relationship. Uh, the second thing Christian community is is a sign that we are understanding Jesus. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When we are pursuing love and com- Christian community, then we then we are demonstrating that we've listened to Jesus, that we've paid attention to the cross of Christ and we know that this is something we need to take seriously and to, and to try with all our heart. By this will all men know uh, when if someone walks into a church and can't see an ounce of love, then there's then really where's the discipleship happening? Where is our movement uh, to Jesus in response to His kind and generous act on His, his act of grace towards us? Um, history tells us that uh, in the first and second century, as as historians were writing about um, this this Christian movement uh, in response to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that people were, even enemies of the Christians, were noting that they at least loved one another. That was something that stood out. Uh, Tertullian was, was such a historian who wrote about it, uh, that the, the Roman Empire even needs to look at what they do and and mimic what they're, what they're doing. Christian community is a work in progress. It is a sign that we are understanding Jesus. And this radical love. And friends, it's something uh, that we can work at together. In fact, it's, it's worth it. This is really what I want to say here. The third point is that it's worth it. We're better together. Don't be a lone ranger in your Christian walk. Uh, our, our English, our, um, our Western society has um, cultivated over, over many, many, many years, generations, an, Id- an identity of self. Uh, that you you get yourself employed you get a job and you work out who you want to marry who what job you want to have how many kids you want to have it's all and this is great like i love it it's that's that's a sense of freedom and i'm not against any of that but what comes with that is a sense that you can do everything on your own but christianity is never meant to be done alone don't be a lone ranger when it comes to christianity remember that we are making disciples of one another so here's, here's three little practical tips I've got. They're very pedestrian, but here's here's what I want to suggest. Number one, is when you come to church each Sunday, pray about who you're going to talk to, and you might not even know who that is. What I mean is, pray to God, uh, the Father, that as you as you're getting into your car and heading towards church, Lord, help me to know who I'm who I'm meant to speak to today. What, What? How can I create community? What can I do to bless somebody else today with? a conversation here or there. Pray even about where you might sit. Uh, It's helpful. It can be helpful to um, mix it up from time to time. When we have our break times, as the kids go off and we have a break time, you're invited to say hello to the people around you. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all just jumbled up our seats every now and then or even every week so that when you had that um, free kick to talk to someone, you turn around and and God has surprised you with someone who you are now going to speak to. Uh, what about uh, looking for the guest every week? Have your eyes out for those who are, who are new amongst us and be mindful. Fantastic to meet up with your Christian friends every single week and I want that to happen uh, for regular community and, uh, and you share that, that ongoing relationship with one another. But perhaps as a, a rule of thumb, perhaps for the first five minutes... After the church service ends, look around for who you could talk to that's not your regular, and say hello to that person. It could be someone who you know has come here for a long time, but you just have never said hello to them before. You don't know much about them. Why don't you engage in, in in that sort of relationship? So not just for new people who have arrived, but for each other to grow in that community, and walk across the room, go out of your way. That's that was modelled to us by Jesus. He didn't walk across the room. He walked across the universe. To, to find us and to greet us and to, and to call us home. If, 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 if someone is here at church, you can pretty much bank on they want some form of community. Uh, many of us walk around with that kind of face that says, don't talk to me. I, I don't think you mean it. <laughs> uh, so I've trained myself to just imagine that you don't mean that. And so if you're here, I presume that you want to be talked with. So that's that's the courage for one another. So don't be a lone ranger in our community. Um, it does take work and freedom, the kind of freedom that I described that our Western society loves, freedom, as good as it is and we want it, the Bible even says that this is for you, freedom is actually a community killer if taken to the extreme because community community requires sacrifice. It requires for you to give up your time, your energy and your emotional output to, to one another. It's taken effort for you to come to church today. That's a, that's a sacrifice that you've made. And so freedom is, uh, is in, its, in its extreme form is uh, a community killer. Um, there's always something deeper going on with people. Uh, again, this is my self-talk. I talk, tell me this, self, all, this all the time. If someone has just given me the cold shoulder, I'm going to assume that there's something deeper going on and it's not really just about me. Uh, if someone has just, you know, they, they might be just trying to think, did I, did I close the front door today? You know, And they're absent-minded and I think, okay, they're, they're disengaged, they hate me and everyone hates me and the whole world hates me. But no, there's always something deeper going on with other people. And so it's really wonderful, isn't it, that those, as we clothe ourselves with love, this is um, compassion and patience and kindness. And so we have an ear to hear and ask questions. Dive deeper. Patience and compassion are are love words. So take time and listen and be curious. Uh, I've adopted a a phrase just recently. I read it in a book somewhere. To um, move from furious to curious. You know, our nature is to get angry with people because they said something. And you go, and that, it, it triggers something in you. But just take a deep breath and move from furious to curious. I wonder what could be happening in that relationship. I wonder what's going on. Uh, don't wait for others to love you first. I think that is modelled from God exceptionally. He did not wait for us to love him first. Don't wait for people to love you first. Um, and friends, lastly, in my practical, practical toolbox box is um, is growth groups and also team ministry. Uh, growth groups. I I hope that we're we're leaning in more and more to the idea of growth groups as not just Bible study groups, but they are a a smaller community within the larger community. I hope, I hope that there'll come a day when our church is so large that I just don't know everybody. It's impossible for me to know everybody. And so, to combat that growth in size, we create smaller communities where you can where you can know that you you've got you've got support partners, you've got people who know you, who are praying for you, who are listening to you. Growth groups are for coaching one another. That's another word for discipleship, and they are for care, our pastoral care, first level pastoral care. Uh, what a wonderful thing to meet up. Um, in all sorts of ways. So if you are not in a growth group um, and you're thinking, I'm, you're, so, you're talking about this a lot, Simon, I, I'm curious to know more, how do we do this? I want to say that there's, I, I love to get creative with growth groups and trying to work out where's a good time and place and space to um, direct you into one that exists or let's start a new one and, and work that way. Um, In a few weeks' time we're going to talk about ministry and I think what a wonderful thing to do is to move from rostering to team ministry. So you're not just doing a task but you're actually collaborating with one another to get things done. And so in team ministry we have community uh, and and sharing tasks shoulder to shoulder. If everybody waits for community to happen, then it just won't happen. Uh, Jesus demonstrates that at the cross And he says to his disciples, go and make disciples, but go and love one another. This is what will uh, be demonstrated in the church. Hang on a second. Um, Over the weekend, Jill, my wife, and I uh, went to Ikea. I think it's actually – it's not actually Ikea. Do you know that? It's One Key because you come home with a box and there's just this, this little thing in here. One Key does it all. It all open. You you get the flat pack out, and you get the instructions, which have no words in it, um, which is kind of genius and annoying at the same time. Uh, But then you have this one key that does everything. Friends, I think that what we have right here before us is the church. Sorry, I'm going to describe you like a flat pack. Uh, All the ingredients is here. We have we have the cross of Christ that has that has brought us to God. Made peace with God and demonstrated to us what love looks like. We have a community who we have people who have come together to be in community, and so all we need to do if I had if I had a, a couple of dozen of these, I'd hand you all one just to take it home and remember that it's my job now to put this together. It's not the job of everyone around me to make this work. It's my job to make this work. I have the toolbox. I have the I have the vision. I have the practical sacrifice of Jesus who paid my sin, and now I'm right with God and I'm right with my fellow man. I have the training of the cross of Christ to tell me what Jesus' love looked like so that I can love as Christ has loved me. And now it's my job to get moving and to love one another. I'm going to save that last point to next week. Let me pray. Friends, I thank you, Father. I thank you for the gift of friendship. I thank you for relationship and I thank you for what you've done for us at the cross. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be brave and courageous and to put on love. Uh, Lord, help us in our community here to grow in something that requires work but is truly worth it. We thank you for um, creating community for us, and for demonstrating community for us, and we pray, Lord, you help us to respond in faith and obedience in Your Son's name, Amen. And we're going to stand. And